This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. I want to take a second to thank Gadgetflow for sponsoring this episode. Guys, if you are looking for an awesome platform to get your crowdfunding project in front of over 25 million people per month, you should absolutely check them out. They are the third largest Indiegogo partner and listed on Kickstarter as experts. And not to mention, they've worked with over 4,000 crowdfunding projects since 2012. Their platform also now supports AR and VR, which I thought was a really cool add-on. To find out more, you should definitely head over to thegadgetflow.com slash submit to list your crowdfunding project today, but be sure to use coupon code UNCUT10 to get 10% off your services with them. Hey everyone, this is episode 114 and I'm Kirsten, um, as you should know, because I'm on every single podcast episode. Um, Today is a random string of events that brings Ben Arneberg onto the podcast. Um, Ben specializes in the very thing that I was searching for for months, where I get um, a lot of questions from you guys as well as our clients, which is, okay, well, after a crowdfunding campaign gets successfully funded, you talk a lot about how to transition to Amazon or how you can go to Shopify and continue to build, to take the success of your Kickstarter campaign and turn that into a successful brand online. But do you know anyone who does that service? And Funny enough, when I was at Capcom uh, end of 2017, Ryan Moran's group, uh, I sat down beside Ben and Ben had had a few calls with me before. And I was like, hey, Ben, what are you up to? Because at this point I knew he was just a successful Amazon seller. And he's like, well, it's really cool that you do Kickstarters because we actually run an agency called Product Fuel. You can find them at productfuel.io that takes crowdfunding campaigns and tr- makes that transition into a successful Amazon business which is really cool. So I'm so freaking excited for today because I think I'm going to learn a lot about that process um, because as we know, I, I don't run an Amazon company just yet. That is in the works, but um, where are we getting at here? So Ben actually started um, Willow and Everett in 2015 with his wife and very quickly they scaled to over a million dollars in their first year and the success of that brand caused them to try Kickstarter. And so um, upon doing research, the QFit Terramat, which I will link to in the show notes, um, they went on to do over $108,000 on Kickstarter and then take that successful Kickstarter and turn that into a $100,000 per month of consistency sales on Amazon, which is where product fuel really um, got born. And now he helps people just like you take your successful Kickstarter to that next level. So Ben, I'm so excited to have you here and actually record a conversation with you. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show, Kirsten. It's uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, no worries. So did I miss anything in that intro that the audience should know about you? Uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty good summary. And I could, um, you know, sometimes even I get confused, like what all's happened in the last few years, but, uh, yeah, I'm just really, really excited to be on the show and hopefully give your, your audience value and, uh, you know, really talk about this interesting piece that I think is overlooked and quite frankly, a market gap, which is how do you transition a really successful product on crowdfunding to Amazon? You know, Amazon's 800 pound gorilla that no one is really addressing, and there's a few ways to get products on there, but a lot of times it just does not even come close to the full potential of those products. So that's something that we kind of just stumbled into um, and have had a lot of success with now and are, are also helping some other people out with that as well. 
Yeah, I find Amazon and Kickstarter to be uh, like a really weird but complementary skill set to have because you have one end of people that take a first-time product, they get it successfully funded, and then they're like, okay, Amazon is this beast of a traffic machine that can really help me scale my e-commerce company. But then you have Amazon sellers that take a lot of white-label products or, or current products that maybe they haven't crowdfunded, and they have this... Um, this issue where they don't own their customer data and there's a lot of um, downsides to selling primarily on Amazon. So they may look to use Kickstarter as a way to truly build a brand. And um, I guess that's how like you and I got connected because you're in the Amazon seller group, but you're the rare few that has actually created a brand off of Amazon. And that's where I think your skill set's really powerful in understanding a Kickstarter versus just launching an Amazon company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so just, you know, my background a little bit is, you know, when we started Will and Ever back in 2015, I was actually still in the Air Force um, active duty as an engineer, program manager for them. So I had very limited time and the business grew really fast, but because it, you know, I, I had so much going on, I had to have a very laser focus and, is a part of that laser focus. It was, let's just do everything we can on Amazon. It's easy to handle all fulfillment. Um, and, you know, it, it went pretty well. And over over time, though, we kind of took that success we had and um, essentially franchised it out. So it developed a lot of SOPs, IP related to selling on Amazon. As I'll probably talk about later, it's easy to list on Amazon. Any, you know, a three-year-old could list a product on Amazon. It's extremely difficult, though, to let that product hit its full potential. So we kind of developed that over, over the years. And from that success, we launched CubeFit, which is a healthy office products brand with a business partner. He really wanted to do a Kickstarter. And to be honest with you, I was kind of hesitant. like, I don't know. I'm really busy. I want to deal with this. Um, but we ended up doing it and it went amazingly well. And then we took all the IP SOPs we had developed for, you know, Will and Everett's song in Amazon. And we took the Terramat, the standing desk mat, you know, as you noted, to the 100K a month in sales just on Amazon alone. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I realized... There's a lot of people who know how to sell on Amazon and there's a lot of people who know how to do Kickstarters, but there's no one really bridging this gap. And, and there's a good reason for it because it takes a lot of knowledge to know how to sell on Amazon. It also takes a lot of knowledge to know how to do, um, you know, consistent Kickstarters like, you know, you, you do and you do for your clients. So um, I never wanted to create an agency, but when I saw that potential, we decided to do a few beta tests uh, starting this last summer. And with one client, uh, Wilcox Boots, they're an amazing company. Uh, they had 140K Kickstarter. And we, after two months of working with them, have, had them up already to 80,000 a month in sales just on Amazon. So when it works, it works really well. But there are a few factors um, and some levers that we pull uniquely to get that, you know, that product selling really well um, on Amazon. Because when you do a crowdfunding campaign, there's just amazing assets that are built, built up, kind of like you alluded to, like you have a customers now you're building a brand i think that's uh that's really important i agree with that uh where was my next question this is where i when you were speaking i had three different things pop up into my head um okay so you mentioned teramat before you had no experience on kickstarter and you were hesitant to do a crowdfunding campaign can you tell me why you were hesitant but what ultimately convinced you to do it yeah absolutely so um I was a little hesitant just because I'm always looking for, you know, those 80, 20 levers, you know, what 20% of our efforts was going to yield that 80% of results. Um, and 
to be honest, we, we just knew selling on Amazon really well. So I knew that, Hey, we could probably launch this product on Amazon and, and do, do quite well with it. And I didn't, I knew Kickstarter just seemed like a lot of work, but after having gone through it and now we actually just did one for other brand, Willow and Everett, um, cold brew on tap is cold brew coffee maker. I love the process because you learn so much from your backers. You generate a lot of excitement. It gets the brand out there and it's a, it's a way to create, um, and, and, you know, get funding for genuinely innovative products. Um, so, so it's definitely worth it for the right product. I agree. And, um, you know, I'm not an authority on Amazon yet, actually not my aspiration, but, um, a big part of when, when you were sitting down with me at, in that VIP lounge at Capcom and I'm grilling you about your business and some of your sales metrics and stuff. Um, you mentioned that you don't take on a lot of products and you're selective and ultimately it comes down to uh, product selection being the right fit for Amazon and, and Kickstarter is the same. Like you, I think it's not a black and white situation of if your product meets X criteria, it will be good for Kickstarter because it is case by case. But for you to have, I'm curious, like what, if you were to source and launch a brand new product on Amazon, not going through Kickstarter versus one that went through Kickstarter funnel to Amazon, is there a difference in the product selection that makes one more successful over the other? I would say for the, if, if you have a product that, you know, is genuinely unique and innovative and fills a, a needed gap in the market, brings more value than other ones, the most powerful path you can take is launch it on Kickstarter or Egogo, transition it to selling on your website, and then simultaneously sell it on Amazon. If you do that, it's so much more powerful than if you just take the product and go to the shop, you know, your website and Amazon, because your Kickstarter or Indiegogo creates such an amazing halo effect and momentum that when harnessed properly, it helps you get tons of organic traffic on Amazon and climb their rankings for keywords in a way that you never would have been able to, if you just decided to launch it on Amazon. And, you know, that's kind of some of our like special sauce that we use to help those products that have done the crowdfunding do really well on Amazon. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really exciting opportunity and, and I, you know, I know your audience is, you know, everyone's crowdfunding and, and they're doing this. And a lot of the times people are scared, like, Hey, I don't want to deal with Amazon. They're going to steal my customer. And you know what? You might lose a little bit of customers to Amazon, but it's going to be such a small percentage based on, you know, versus how many new customers you're actually going to bring into the fold. Um, and, th- and there's multiple reasons for that. You know, one is, uh, when we started working with Wilcox, they, they even mentioned, Hey, we're also on Amazon. And what they found was sometimes customers that weren't willing to buy from them on their website, because, hey, I don't know who this brand is. Yeah, they had a Kickstarter, but who are they? I'm not going to web on a credit card. When they saw they're available on Amazon, they bought on Amazon. So it prevents that like uh, that bleeding, so to speak, that uh, occurs when people don't trust your website. But the, the main reason, the 80-20, if you will, is if you can get it ranking for the right keywords on Amazon, you'll get it in front of so many other customers that never would have heard about you otherwise. And that only build your brand equity over time. Cause guess what? They'll maybe later buy from your website in future follow-ups, especially if you're really smart about how you target them with your Amazon packaging. And these are things we help people with also, but um, it, it, it's a, it's a huge overlooked opportunity, especially when you factor in that about 50% of e-commerce searches. And I think sales are occurring on Amazon now. So um, it, it makes sense to play in that space, especially as they continue to grow. 
Yeah. And Amazon makes sense because it's the same reason why you would do Kickstarter. You're taking advantage of the traffic that they've built up over time to sell your It's free traffic. Yes. You pay them a referral fee, 15%, but the traffic is essentially free. You know, you can't go out and run Facebook ads for 15%. It's an amazing deal, but it's extremely difficult to get ranking for, you know, it's kind of like how Google SEO is, you know, you know how hard that is to get a website ranking. Amazon's the same way and it, and it can take a while. And, and honestly, not all products are a good fit for that. Um, from a Kickstarter campaign. So I, um, let's take the Jamstack, for example, which is the portable electric guitar amplifier. Um, what are you, what's your analysis with taking a product like that, that has raised $350,000 on Indiegogo um, they have about, say they're fulfilling in two, three months. Um, what are some of the pros that you think that a established brand like that on Kickstarter that had success, why they would be a yes for Amazon? And maybe what are some of your concerns with that brand on Amazon? Yeah. So the biggest factor that, that we look for is, um, there's a slight correlation between the amount raised and how well it's going to do on uh, Amazon. But the by far the biggest thing we look for is what's the demand potential on Amazon. And what I mean by that is like, what is the existing demand for similar products that now this new product, which is hopefully better, um, can take advantage of. So if you have some new widget that no one's ever heard of, yeah, it might raise a ton on Kickstarter and it also might do well in Facebook ads because you can target interest. Um, but on Amazon, it's going to be an uphill battle because Amazon is solely keyword driven. So you have to have products that there's large demand for similar type keywords. So when we, you know, look to, to help someone, th- those are the, the things I'm doing is, is checking for that demand. And if there's not that demand, then it's like, all right, you know, time, time to move on. Um, but with, uh, you know, Jamstack and, you know, uh, Chris, you know, great guy, have an awesome product. There's actually good, good demand, a lot of sales occurring for, um, you know, the guitar amps, that sort of thing on Amazon. Um, so I, I think there's a real opportunity to, to position that well. Um, on the platform because my concern with something like jamstack is jamstack is pretty innovative it is not a me too product that had one thing better than what's out there like it it truly reinvented what's on the market for portable amplifiers so if you are saying it's keyword driven how would you I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you see the sales process like that? Someone is specifically looking for Jamstack or is it maybe like portable amplifiers or. Yeah. We, I mean, so what's important is to evaluate um, what, you know, is, where is there strong demand? Like what keywords are bringing in tons of volume and um, you know, could we reasonably get our product positioned there? So like in this case, you alluded to it. Yeah. There's probably a good opportunity to get it for those, um, other products. However, for let's say Fidget Cube, back when it first came out, no one heard of it. There's just not going to be existing keyword demand for that. Um, you know, they kind of created a category which works great on Kickstarter and Facebook, and eventually, you know, on Amazon, sure. But it it it, it falls behind. So so that's that's the, the caveat. And the other challenge I'll say about Amazon is pricing. It's kind of ironic, but products that are higher priced have a lot better potential on uh, your website because the Facebook ads, you you can spend a lot more to acquire them, probably same for the crowdfunding campaigns. But on Amazon, you know, based on what A9, the algorithm wants, a lot of times lower prices are going to work better. Now there is, you still can, if you do a lot of work, position it well. And that's like what we did with the 
Saramax and Desmet, it's you know twice the cost of other ones. And mm. Wilcox is a lot more expensive than other ones, but that's where it takes that delicate positioning, you know, looking at conversions, split test a lot of things to get that um to get that down pat. And for some products, you know, quite frankly, it's impossible. Like if you have um a better coffee mug, but you're trying to sell coffee mug for $50 and most of them on Amazon are $7, you know, good luck getting that uh, a lot of visibility. Yeah. But ultimately what you've created is a, my theory is that because you do a Kickstarter or you have a brand, the brand gives you an opportunity to charge more for your widget or your thing. Right. And so being able to communicate that on Amazon, you may disagree with me on that, but I, I feel that a brand means there's a lot more built-in trust factor and, and you can ultimately charge more than just some Chinese knockoff. Right? I, I totally agree. But what I'll say is for what all A9 cares about is, you know, Amazon's algorithm. Hey, when we show a result for coffee mug, how many um, conversions are we actually getting from us? You might have an amazing brand and you know, story and people love it, but if still only like 5% of Amazon customers are going to buy it, you flip a key with the type of coffee mug, Amazon is going to put pushers way down on the ranks. And the mm. problem is you're going to only get a few people a day looking at that on Amazon. So that's really the 80-20 of Amazon is, can you get your product positioned properly for those high volume keywords? And if, if so, you know, you can go to the moon with sales, um, you know, but if not, like, you know, you're not going to have a lot of success. So, and, you know, kind of long story short, those, that's exactly what we look for with clients, you know, like you, you know, you're selective in who you want to work with. You only products have a lot of potential. Uh, I actually never wanted to even have an agency to be honest with you. I love the e-commerce company and building them, but yeah, but I saw a real opportunity and I get excited about working with, you know, inventors and you know, everyone listening here. Um, so because of that though, like we do turn away the majority of people that are interested, but for those that there's that potential, like I said, there's a huge potential. Um, but, but yeah, for anyone even interested, I, I think, uh, I would even encourage you like just to, to strongly consider Amazon and then do, do your work. And if I could give you know some value to the audience here, I, I would say do not um, sell to Amazon directly. Always do fulfilled by Amazon. It okay. gives you control over the listings. You get you know prime. Don't even try to ship it yourself like Duffy sent into FBA because they'll help your conversions. And please, please, please stay away from Amazon Launchpad. They poach kickstarter and any go-go campaigns and they do a terrible job it breaks my heart whenever i look at those listings on amazon because it's this team at amazon that is trying to you know say hey look at this crowdfunding product they do such a terrible job that it it literally kills the potential of those products like some of them i look at them like i know these guys who do literally you know an order of magnitude better 10x better if they knew the best practices if they knew all you know all these different steps but the amazon team launchpad that builds it they don't care it's not their product so any listener out there you know i don't care if you even are interested in us or not but please do fba and either you know try to get spun up on all the best practices or find someone else um just don't don't deal with launchpad because they'll kill your product so does launchpad have this a similar service that you do in terms of they just help you launch the brand on amazon or is there more to it than that <coughs> yeah so there's like at a high level, there's two different relationships with Amazon. There's the 1P first party relationship and 3P third party relationship. When you go 1P with Amazon, you're essentially treating them like a retailer. So like if you were to sell to Walmart, they're going to be buying, you know, a bunch of wholesale orders from you. You'll, you'll negotiate that price. But once you sell to them, you'll be like, hey, ship us 300 this month. It's out of your hands then. They create the listings, images, they list it for you. They just request new ones. 
Here's the thing on Amazon. It's a terrible idea. They don't care about your listings. All those best practices, they don't really implement because they're not marketers and they don't care. They don't have the same you know, invested interest you do. So the other relationship, 3P, is where you sell it yourself. You own the listing. There are two mm-hmm. options for that. One is to ship it yourself to merchant fulfilled. I don't recommend that because one is a lot of work and two, you don't get the prime designation, which is a massive conversion um, rate increase. So yeah. do FBA, which is where Amazon fulfills it for you. FBA stands for fulfilled by Amazon. You'll ship it to their warehouses. And then when a customer buys, Amazon will ship it to them and handle all that process. But you still own the listing and even the product prices. You get to set it then. It's it's scary because, you know, anyone, like I said, can list a product on Amazon and do FBA. It's extremely hard to get it selling well um, or to the best potential. You know what I mean? So, it, it you know, with more power comes more responsibility. But it's, uh, you know, there's really no limit to what you can do um, when you are 3P FBA, especially for the right product. Um, so FBA is after Kickstarter or during the process, the project creator has to figure out who like the supply chain. So there's manufacturing and then getting um, a product from the manufacturer to a warehouse for fulfillment. Like how would you manage? Do you just have like your manufacturing house that ships some products to Amazon for FBA while you have another fulfillment channel or how does, how do you organize that when you have different supply chain like that? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, this can all be a, overwhelming to be honest with you especially if it's like your first product you're trying to do like how do i you know get the supply check figured out yeah yeah (laughs) excuse me and uh, to be honest with you for for my brains it's something we're still continuously optimizing um you know because there's so many costs you can cut in the supply chain but with um you know for our own products and the the clients we've helped what we recommend is you know absolutely get your products to your customers first don't try to do anything in parallel uh, we made the mistake of giving our products to our backers and then literally a day later putting on Amazon and people <gasps> were livid. So lesson learned, you know, for everyone else out there too, please don't list it on Amazon right away or your website for that matter. You know, you got to give some space uh, between the backers getting it, feedback, all that. You want them to feel like, hey, I'm special. I got it much earlier. Okay. So what I recommend though is when you've completed, uh, you know, so we always try to order more than we think we'll need. And once the campaign started, like try to get more units than you think you're going to need even have a go to your three PL who's going to be fulfilling your um, Mm -hmm. Kickstarter backer orders, but then have enough left over. So while you're doing that in parallel, you can actually now start sending them into the Amazon FDA warehouses and also have some on hand for your website. Cause you ideally want to be selling on your website right away. Also, um, so, and, and then what you do and like what we do with other clients, because we actually handle the logistics side for them as well with regards to Amazon is get it into the FDA warehouses and it's sitting there. So now your backers are getting it. They're happy and it's all ready to go on Amazon. So once you feel comfortable, flip the switch, it's live on Amazon. Um, you go from there. How much time would you, okay, sorry. I actually want to walk through the timeline here because this, this is something that I know in theory, but not practice. So you, your Kickstarter ends today in two weeks you get the money from kickstarter and then you take that money and then you on average you will go to start manufacturing right away and then at some point in three to six months you have product shipped to your backers assuming all is well um when do you come in or when does the creator have to start preparing for amazon and like what does that look like you know yeah yeah so and here's what i'll say too is 
there's a million things you can do at any time. You know, Alex, the entrepreneurs have literally an unlimited to-do list. So yep. this is going to be very dependent on the brand owner, the entrepreneur. Um, and, and, you know, they always need to ask, like, what do I care about the most right now? So what I would say um, is, you know, first off, you have to determine, like, is Amazon a reasonable opportunity for us? Like, is there a lot of potential? And if there's not, if it's not looking good, um, and, you know, this is something that people determine, but, you know, if, if, they, if they're like, nope, this is not looking good, I really wouldn't worry about it then because there's so many more high impact things. What I'll say is a caveat is there's some products that, you know, probably aren't going to do very much on Amazon, maybe a few thousand in sales a month, but can kill it on their Shopify store. If that's you and that's your product, like, please focus everything you got on getting the right Shopify store built, conversion rate optimist in place, paid traffic. But let's say, you know, okay, to answer your question, you know, with that aside, you do have a lot of potential on Amazon. And like for the people we, we work with, what we like to do is, um, once the campaign is ended, kind of start like talking to them and, and, and getting set up. Cause I think it's very important to, to plan ahead for things. Um, and even just, we start doing certain steps to like start um, almost preparing their backers for, uh, you know, for helping us optimize Amazon. And, and uh, like, I, I won't go into specifics, but there's a lot of things we like to do, you know, soon after the campaign ends and then, you know, start discussing the logistics, like how are we going to get it, you know, for Gail and the FBA. So um, ideally, we like to work with someone after the campaigns ended. Initially, start talking with them, but right around the, you know maybe a month before it actually starts shipping their backers, that's when we we come on and, and then kind of take it from there. Cool. And you you mentioned um, a window between uh, your last backer got got their product shipped to them, and don't launch on Amazon literally the next day because you could piss off some people. Yeah, I I would. Are there any other reasons why you would wait? Like, is it just to make sure that there are no issues with that first run prior to going live? Is, like, mm. just for QA? Like, is that is that it? <clears throat> yeah, there. Yeah, there's actually multiple reasons. So, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, like you know, put the customers first, make them happy. You don't want them feeling like they you know got ripped off, or you know, they could just bought on Amazon instead, um, or your website. You know, this applies for both, but absolutely a really big thing and one of the risks of crowdfunding any of these early stage products is you don't necessarily have the product quality figured out so one thing i would recommend for everyone listening which i wish i had done sooner is absolutely get a man like a, an inspection done on your products test it to aql standards if you're doing it in china you can get it for like a hundred bucks like please 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 do that um you know, cause that should solve a lot of the issues. And we've had products that have literally failed that first inspection. We won't pay the manufacturer then until they've resolved it. So that's like, you know, step number one, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I like to see, and with the you know clients we've worked with, we now, you know, lessons learned, like to make sure their backers get it and look at feedback from the backers and see like, Hey, if 90% or more are happy, great green light. But if there's a, you know, a high number of people having issues with it, we don't want to launch that on Amazon yet, or, you know, probably on the website, because you're going to deal with so many returns, bad reviews, things that are really going to sink the potential. I'd rather wait, have them iterate, make it even better, and then launch it. So that is absolutely a really good point. And I'm, yeah, glad you brought that up. So if you have 100 backers, and what is the percentage? Is it 90% like of them are happy that you get the green light to move ahead? Or like, what is the, the percentage that you feel is healthy in order to realize that there's not an issue with the product? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it's definitely not like a hard and fast rule, but just from my experience um, on Amazon, just for example, you can get right or like we shoot for a 7% return rate or below. Like 
7% issue rate, you start getting higher than that in double digits, very high chance of your you know, listing getting suspended. And, and not only that, but you're just paying a lot of money in refunds, returns, et cetera. You don't want that in your hands. So, so that's why we kind of look at that number. What I'll say though about Kickstarter backers and Google backers is they are super finicky, like really, really picky. I've never seen it. Like prima donnas is crazy. So I take that with a grain of salt and, you know, like you're probably going to have more issues with your backers than you are with a typical customer on Amazon or your website. Cause for whatever reason, these people are just like, some of them are insane. <laughs> In the best way possible. Yes. Insanely uh, loyal, I should say. <laughs> I have like, this is, a, I guess, a good segue into Amazon and stuff, but like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the health of your launch and how well your launch does on Amazon depends on using the customer base that you've acquired on Kickstarter to help with reviews. So you beginning your Amazon launch need to make sure that your people are happy. And part of that happiness factor is communicating with them on product changes or delays or whatever. And, um, I went like what a year and a half ago, I went on some rant on Facebook because like in the same day I have the Indiegogo app on my phone and we had two launches that had wrapped up like four months before this. And something about this one day I started getting like looking through the comment section of uh, two of our past campaigns and people had not heard like one of the creators sent out an email basically saying, due to Chinese New Year, one of the parts we were supposed to have, we don't know when it's going to happen. So we don't know when you're getting your product. And he like sends it and then drops off the face of the planet for about a week. And the backers act like this community where, and they should like, and that's, you know, this is the Kickstarter thing, but they started, they would ask questions and get no reply three, four, five days. And and it was the same with this other campaign where um, the founder was quiet because he gave some bad bad information or like just whatnot and then just fell off the face of the planet. And I remember I got contacted by the press in London, like in the UK, to do a oh story God. on the founder that had um, basically run away with his money because that's, that's what backers do. They like... Holy they, cow they take your miscommunication or ignoring them and one thing leads to another and they make all these assumptions of, of the situation when the reality was that the founder was stuck in China in the manufacturing warehouse. And like, he just didn't think the the team wasn't very good with communication. So he just didn't think to, to have a team in place to deal with customer service. So like I finally tracked the guy down and was like, dude, you have to do X, Y, Z, and, he, and ever since then, they've done regular updates. Their backers are happy. But yeah, just like, yeah no, that, you're absolutely right. That that's so important. And, you know, that's definitely one of the ways that, you know, you can definitely help Amazon is happy customers or reviews for you. But it's just an asset for your company moving forward. And like what we always do is we are on the side of getting out in front of the problem, frequent updates, like you said. But then if people aren't happy, like don't be a tightwad, give them a refund. You know what I mean? Even a partial refund, maybe to start definitely replacement if there's an issue, but if they're really upset, refund them it. We view crowdfunding even now, not as a, like, should, I don't care if we make a dollar profit from it. It's just an awesome way to get the product out there, test it out, get a roaring loyal fan base that you can then launch a lot of the products too. So um, yeah, that's really smart. I, yeah, I agree. And I, I, you know, I, I truly, I have my own opinions on, on after the campaign and stuff, but I'm curious, like if we wanted to hire you, 
not we, but just say hypothetically, I want to send customers your way to uh, help them launch on Amazon once they have wrapped up their Kickstarter campaign. How does that process work? How do you work and how do people get in contact with you? Yeah, so um, the the best way to, to get in contact with me is, you know, if you're interested, you, know, you can check out uh, productfuel.io and then uh, especially productfuel.io slash Amazon has just kind of like a page explaining this more. Um, and if you want to drop that info uh, here, Kirsten as well. And um, you can also email me probably the, the most direct way is actually Ben at willowandever.com. That's my main um, large e-commerce business. And uh, I can give you that, that link in the, the show notes as well, uh, Kirsten. But yeah, so as far as like working with us, um, so we've built up a, a team to help, you know, new clients. But the first step is just validating it. You know, is, is there a lot of potential? And if not, like, I'm not an agency that's like looking just to get some monthly retainer and you know bleed you dry. Like we only want to work with you if there's so much potential that we more than pay for ourselves and allow you to have 50%, 100% more sales than you'd ever get on your own. So we're going to determine that pretty quickly and say no if it's uh, if it's not a good fit. Um, but then let's say you know we decide it is a good fit. There's a lot of <coughs> excuse me. Um, what we're you know, we'll kind of start going through the process and explain how we work. But um, we basically, I love win-wins. So we only get paid when you get paid. So we just structure our payment based on a percentage of Amazon's net payment to the customer rather than dealing with monthly fees, any of that. Um, and I love that because it, it creates so much upside potential for, for them and for us um, that, you know, if, if they're not making money, you know, we're not going to make it either. So um, yeah, and I can kind of go into those specifics with anyone that's interested. But, you know, at the very least, just wanted to um, yeah, hopefully give some value to the audience and let them know. Definitely consider Amazon, um, especially when done right. And uh, yeah, happy to answer any questions too people might have. I love it. What I really like about what you do is you're a guy who started in the trenches and you are getting really great results, not only for your brands, but for your client brands. Like I saw your sales dashboard. You guys are doing some very awesome things. So Yeah, thanks. And, and you know what, I'll be honest with you, like with this and product feel. I just love meeting other inventors and creators. So it's really fun for me to, this is the best way I know how, like I've got to meet so many cool people now and, and to be able to help them too and bring real value to them. I love that. Cause what I'll tell you is it, it makes me really angry when I see a lot of products on well on Amazon and they're crap products, but the person knows how to like optimize Amazon. And there's so many awesome products out there that if they just had the best practices could kill it. So kind of lit a fire to me, like I want to help more people like that and, you know, get to work with oh, them too. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, oh, Ben, this has been awesome. I know this is one of the conversations we're going to have. I could just yeah. <laughs> So, cool. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Kirsten. You have a good one. All right, guys. Um, show notes are available at crowdfundinguncut.com. And if you are, you know, after you're chomping at the bit, you're like, I need to learn more about crowdfunding, or I want to make sure that I have a good roadmap to ensure a successful launch, please do uh, click on the field guide on the website. And it's a downloadable calendar that you can print, stick on your wall to help keep you in like on track and stuff, as well as a checklist, uh, which are our best practices from what we've developed as a system over the last 10 launches that we've done. Um, apart from that, I will see you next week.
Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like The Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.